There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, 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 hello to everyone in the world uh, and happy new year. Here is a new podcast episode and this one is sponsored by Spoken which is an online service that offers flexible and tailored business English lessons delivered by a native English-speaking teacher straight to your phone via WhatsApp. Okay, so it's uh, English lessons on WhatsApp, all right? Uh, The lessons are pretty short and they combine bits of listening, speaking, reading and writing to help you improve your English for professional situations. And Spoken are offering you, my listeners, two free lessons and then 20% off everything, all right? Two free lessons and 20% off everything. To check out Spoken properly, uh, to get your two free free lessons and your 20% discount, go to getspoken.com slash LEP or click a Spoken logo on my website. Also, um, you can use the offer code LEP at checkout to get that 20% discount. Did I say that there was a 20% discount? I think I did. All right, then. So anyway, check it out. It might be good for your New Year's resolution, which I'm sure that you've made, which is to improve your English even more. Um, all right, so check it out. Thank you for listening to this uh, sponsored promotion at the beginning of the episode. Here now is a brand new episode and uh, more content for you to enjoy. Absolutely free. Start the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, and Happy New Year. It's 2017. 2017! Isn't it weird? It takes usually takes a little bit of getting used to, doesn't it? At the beginning of the, the, the year, in the New Year period, when you realise that you've got to write a new date. You're starting to write 2017 now as the date. It just feels weird. It takes a little while to get used to it. In fact, in my experience, you don't get used to writing the new year until, like, right at the end of the year. Even sometimes, like, halfway through the year, it still feels weird to me. Like, halfway through last year, it still felt a little bit weird to be writing 2016. Maybe it just takes me ages to catch up. I don't know. But anyway, it certainly feels a bit strange. I'm recording this on the 2nd of January, 2017. So it's only two days into the new year. And I went to work today and I wrote down on my lesson plan um, the date, 2nd of January, 2017. It was like, whoa, it's actually official. It's now 2017. You know it's official when you actually write it down for the first time. Anyway, welcome to the podcast and Happy New Year. Um, Here is the first episode of Luke's English Podcast for 2017. I hope that you had a nice holiday and that you celebrated the new year in a nice way. Um, I had a lovely Christmas and a lovely New Year uh, break 
Uh, we played games, we ate loads of food, we went to the pub, we took walks, and we generally had a good time with each other as planned. Um, the family all got together. I was in France for the 24th, and then uh, we flew to England on the 25th. Uh, and um, I saw lots of members of my family, my you know, my mum, my dad, my brother, and also my uncle Nick, uh, that's my mum's younger brother, and my auntie Rose, that's Nick's wife. So they were there with us as well, which was really nice because it's always great to spend time with them. And I'm glad to say that I managed to get Nick on the podcast, which is something I've been meaning to do for ages because he's great and he's got some good stories to tell, as you will hear. Um, I didn't get a chance to do a lot of recording with my family this year because uh, it was the holiday period and I didn't want to go around sticking microphones in people's faces too much. Um, I, you know, I like to record my family, but uh, sometimes, to be honest, we're just having too much fun doing family things and having our Christmas holiday. Um, and so it's not always possible to record long episodes with them. Uh, but on Boxing Day, I managed to do some recordings with my uncle, my mum, my brother and my dad. And I'm going to play those recordings to you over the course of the next two episodes of this podcast, I expect. And this is the first one. So in this episode, you're going to hear these things. So you'll hear my mum and my uncle talking about specific methods of cooking a really good Christmas dinner. So some conversation about cooking and how to cook really delicious uh, Christmas turkey. Um, then I'm going to give you some vocabulary explanations because there are loads of good words and phrases relating to cooking and food preparation. And also some other general bits of vocabulary that crop up in the conversation that are worth learning. So let me now um, let me now give you an overview of the conversation that you're going to hear in order to help you understand more of the general context, which I hope will help to create just the right conditions for optimal levels of language learning with this conversation. Because after all, it might be your New Year's resolution to improve your English. And I want you to succeed. So let's put our best foot forward and all that kind of thing. Um, so here we go. The conversation starts with James and my uncle Nick talking about how early in the morning it is. Uh, and then my wife accidentally spills some coffee down the back of one of the armchairs in the living room. And you'll hear that there's a bit of commotion and disturbance in the background as people run around and she desperately tries to clean it all up. My uncle and I ask my mum, then, about the secret to cooking a succulent, moist turkey, which apparently is done using a process called basting, and we're going to explain all of that for you. My uncle expresses some concern, then, about the cleanliness of the microphone covers that I'm using, asking if they've been sterilised. And that then leads to a slight tangent about health and safety regulations in the workplace. We then get back to talking about my mum's turkey technique with some explanations of exactly how to make sure the meat stays moist all the way through the cooking process. Moist is the key word here, obviously, as the word is repeated a few times. Uh, moist this and moist that, moist, 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 until my brother interrupts by shouting, Stop saying moist! We then turn to the vegetables and go on a bit about how my mum prepared the sprouts, carrots, potatoes and parsnips. 
Uh, there are a couple of other interruptions from James, including a joke about the secret of comedy, and then an explosive sneeze. Uh, throughout all of this, my wife is still rushing around in the background and searching on the internet for how to get coffee stains out of an armchair. Uh, we then talk briefly about the complications of preparing Christmas lunch with a vegetarian at the table because my auntie Rose is a veggie. Um, and talk then turns naturally to sweet food, and my uncle Nick expresses some disappointment about the lack of a traditional Christmas pudding at the table the evening before. Um, finally, my auntie Rose arrives in the room and sits in the chair that my wife spilled coffee onto uh, just a few moments before. But thankfully, my wife um, at this point has already managed to clean it all up without my help. Um, and there's no evidence of a spillage, so it looks like my wife got away with it. So now, um, after that little bit of explaining, you can actually listen to that conversation as it actually happened. So picture yourself in the living room uh, on the morning of Boxing Day, pre-breakfast, and uh, I'm sitting down, first of all, with my uncle Nick and my brother, James, and here we go. So this is pre-breakfast. We haven't even had breakfast yet. Uh, I haven't, certainly. No. no. Have you had any breakfast, James? Uh, no. Okay. You can tell by the, the, spe- the rapidity with which he answers the questions. <laughs> the tone of my voice is very low, which means I've just woken up. Okay. It was ra- raised to normal levels once I've eaten some bacon. You can generally work out what time it is. If you don't have a clock, you can work out what time it is by asking by, James. By James's tone of voice. That's right. Just yeah. ask him a question. See how long it takes him to respond. Mm. <laughs> Calculate the, the the correlation between the, how long it takes him to respond and the tone of his, of his voice, and you know exactly what hour it is. But there's a yeah. there's a point at which it could be either the middle of the night or is this part of your podcast? Yes. Oh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so Nick, I wanted to ask you about. I'm just going to get straight to the point. What? What? Go on. Well, I thought you might possibly introduce me first. Do you think you know, so? I don't know. I, I think mean, it would I'd, be polite. It's a bit odd, you know. The, 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 all your fans know you two, and then suddenly this strange voice comes on. Okay. And they think, well, who the hell's that? That's probably a good good place to well, begin. Well, I don't want to teach you your job, but no, no, uh, I it's think just you, a thought. I think you've got a good good point. I think okay. ev- everyone else tries to teach me my job, so... Okay, well, I, I don't want to be different. Um, all right, so... Um, this is the first time that you've been on my podcast. It, it is. I uh, follow your podcast. I think it's excellent. Oh, really? And I think we've uh, we've probably tried to have a conversation, but uh, you live in a different country to me, so it's difficult. It is, isn't it? Mm. It's difficult to do. But mm. you know, with the, the magic of Skype, that you know, yes, it's still I know. Possible. I know. I haven't quite moved into the Skype generation, really? but uh, okay. yeah. But we're doing it now. So. We're doing it now. Yeah. yeah. Who needs Skype yeah. when you've got you know Christmas and, and yeah? So you still haven't introduced. You're talking I haven't, to. but I'm probably going to do some sort of pre-introduction. But yep. it doesn't matter. Pre-introduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on then. An introduction, you mean? Okay, yeah. That's that's okay. okay. So, so what? I'm talking. I'm talking to my uncle Nick here on the on the podcast today, um, and uh, he's with us for Christmas for a couple of days. And my wife's just spilt tea all over the uh, armchair. <laughs> so, oh dear, it's an emergency. <laughs> um. Oh dear! Is it tea or is it coffee? Uh, all right. Well, anyway, while that while all this madness is going on, um, so so Nick, you're here for Christmas. 
just yep. for a couple of days. That's right, yeah. Um, and uh, have you had a nice time? Wonderful. Yeah, very, very good. It's been uh, wonderful to see all the family and to eat a proper Christmas dinner. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? It was excellent. Yeah, yeah amazing. It was a very succulent, moist turkey. Yeah. Mm. What do you think is the key to getting a succulent, moist uh, turkey? I think it's about basting. Basting? Basting. What's basting? Basting, um, well, it's the, the, the turkey is sitting in its own juices. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the trick is to ladle the juices from the pan back yeah. onto the bird. Okay. And um, <laughs> and uh, that that's called basting. Right. And it just uh, helps the moisture content of the uh, finished turkey. Okay. So does that mean you have to keep opening the oven? You do. You do. I mean, this is why Christmas is the housewife's most important day of the year. Uh, because they, um, uh, they have to regularly go and open the door and and do this basting procedure. I see. And anyway, uh, Jill, my sister, uh, did a wonderful basting yesterday and the turkey was moist. Mum, do you want to get involved? Pick up that uh, microphone. What's happening at this point is that uh, everyone's attempting to clean up the spilt coffee. Uh, spilt wh- by my daughter-in-law. That's right, yeah. Um, I'm going to send her home in disgrace. Is that chair ruined now? No, of course not. It's, of course not, it's going to be fine. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Just get rid of it. Yeah, it's it's ruined. Um, So, hello, Mum. Hello, Luke. How are you today on Boxing Day? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Fine, thanks. Good. Did you sleep well? Very well. Slept uh, slept the best night of sleep I've had for ages, actually, because it's so quiet. Uh, compared yes. to apart it. from the bells apart from the bells the church bells the church bells are I, beautiful I, I couldn't live here because every hour yeah is uh, brought in by the sound of the church bells which are next door not every hour well, they start at 7 o'clock in the morning okay. and they do not go through the night right, they but finish they don't, they at 11 a, they, and they start at 7 they make a heck of a din when they do go a off, very attractive do. noise they make are you used to the sound of the bells now? Yes, I don't notice them most of the it's, time. It's not driving you mad like Quasimodo. Oh, well, you'll be the judge of that. <laughs> um, Can I just ask, have these microphone covers been sterilised? Uh, no, no, they haven't. Okay. Well, I was just thinking that there has been a previous user... Yes, uh, and my lips are very close to the to the to the microphone. I just wondered. Yeah, well, w- what I'm going to do eventually is is after I've done a certain number of recordings with <coughs> all these different guests using these microphones, right? I'm going to sell these covers on eBay. Oh, right. Because there'll be you know a sort of uh, genetic imprint of uh, <laughs> yeah. every single I, person. I just I just think from a um, from a health and safety point of view, it might be better if you had. You know, new ones for each person. I, th- I think it's know. a. I think it's a good question because th- mm. there aren't really any. This podcast isn't really subject to any health and safety no, legislation no, at all. No. Well, I'm a health and safety officer, so Are I you? can advise you. You're a health th- and safety officer. <laughs> I'm the health and safety representative in the shop where I work. Really? Yes. What does that? Involve? Not that anybody takes any notice of me. What do you have to do then, have as to, the health and I safety rep? Oh, thank you, James. Cup, cup of coffee. Cup of coffee's just arrived. Try not to spill it all over the uh, well, furniture. Well, I wouldn't spill it, would I? No, of course not, no. Um, what do I do? Oh, I have to just make sure everything is, you know, like the fridge is the right temperature, that the electrical appliances are correctly inspected, Yeah. that the uh, fire, you know, the what you call them, extinguishers, mm-hmm. are, are uh, in good order. And, uh, and that the, the people don't trip over the carpet when exactly, they come to the shop. Because yes. if they did and they fell over, they'd sue you for well, a lot of money, wouldn't they? They wouldn't they? sue me. They'd well, they'd, su- sue, they'd the sue Oxfam. Exactly. They'd sue the shop. Yes. Okay. 
All right. Well, good. So you're performing an important function there I by am. making Absolutely. sure the place is uh, safe and a uh, healthy place to, for the yes. employees to be in. Absolutely. Okay. We were just talking about basting oh, yeah. uh, with Nick. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, Luke was asking me what the secret of a moist turkey was. <laughs> and... Uh, and I said it's basting. I think that's right, is it? I mean, um, you, need, you need a fairly uh, a fairly young turkey to begin with, but it's mm. in the cooking and the basting, isn't it? Well, I didn't do any basting. Oh, um, what? No, because what? I... What? No basting? No, because what I did was... What I've always been told was the French way of roasting things, but mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's true. Um, line the dish with uh, lots and lots of um, foil... And put the turkey in, obviously, and then put some uh, turkey uh, stock in the base of the dish so that the turkey is sitting on um, all this stock. What, in water or just the stock? Well, no, in stock. What's stock? Stock is when you've boiled up all the giblets and everything and you've got a nice turkey-tasting stock. You know what a stock is. Giblets is all the bits you've removed from the turkey. Yeah, the neck and the liver and the heart and all that. Okay. I hope there's no vegetarians listening in. There will be some, but, you know, it's going to... Because it's getting into graphic detail. It's a tough road, isn't it, when you're a vegetarian? And then uh, you wrap it all up in a big parcel where, where no steam or anything can escape, and you just leave it, and it right. bastes itself. Well, it was, and it sort it of worked. Half, it sort can, of half can, steams as yeah. well as roasting. It definitely worked. Which keeps it moist. It was extremely moist. <laughs> it was. Good. That's yeah. what we want—a moist turkey. Moist. James is complaining that we keep saying moist now. Um, so, um, okay, so there was there was the turkey and uh, all sorts of other things. Um, Yes, I'm just now in my head thinking, are we now going to talk about how to cook a perfect Christmas I, lunch? I thought you and uh, Nick were going to no, talk I, about much more I, interesting I think we can, things. I, I think that. we can talk about Christmas lunch. Cause, All right, come on, know, let's do a bit of Christmas uh, lunch. Um, also, I was uh, impressed with the sprouts. Sprouts? Yeah, because I was in the kitchen when Jill, Jill was preparing the sprouts and she sliced them. That, you don't, we don't normally Which slice... Which I've never done. No, well, I've just recently, I think I saw it in a recipe book somewhere and I thought, oh, that looks like a good idea. Mm. So that's how just I do it. Just meaning that it cuts the cooking time down. Well, yes, and it also means that... It also <laughs> My means wife is that, uh, desperately trying to fix don't the... Don't worry, it's absolutely cut. fine. Yeah. Um, All right, yes. so anyway, So you sprouts. don't get these big, soggy sprouts... Right. If you cut them down, they they remain nice and green and crispy. And, 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 and you just sort of blanch them rather than... Well, I steam them. I always steam my vegetables. Right. The carrots oh, right. and the, okay. and the um, sprouts were steamed. Carrots and the sprouts were steamed <clears throat> in, a, in a little electric steamer. It's not electric. It just goes on the stove. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's so got two tiers. So one tier was sprouts and the other tier was carrots. Two levels. Yes. So steamed sprouts... Which have been chopped up, sliced, which is sliced. the first time I'd ever seen that I, too. I've, but never, I've never it, seen that. We always used to uh, take the outer leaves of the sprout off, mm-hmm. and then we used to make a, a cross-shaped yeah. cut into the into the stem end of the sprout. And that's right. an attempt which, to get the, the sprout the, cooked from yeah, the inside as exactly. well. Exactly. It's all about timing. Christmas dinner is all about timing. It is. It's like comedy, yeah. <laughs> I guess it is. Like yeah, life in yeah. general, I yeah, think well, you'll find. Like life. Timing, yes. Mm. Okay. I say, I say, I say. Let me do the joke. Go on. I say, I say, I say. What's the secret to comedy? Uh, Timing. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> good joke there. Very good, James. Thank you, James. Um, so, uh, so sprouts and uh, carrots steamed. There were other things on the table too. For example, roast, go on. Roast potatoes and supposedly roast parsnips, but they weren't very roast. They were. They were, were they? 
They were, they were, they were extremely nicely roasted, I thought. Oh, oh, good. And with the potatoes and parsnips, parsnips, by the way, everyone, are a bit like uh, carrots. They're bigger than carrots and they are sort of a pale yellow colour, aren't they? Mm, creamy uh, colour. Well, creamy colour. Yeah, they're a sort of ivory colour, aren't they? Ivory is probably the right word, I yeah. I think it is. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. And they, they're a root vegetable, slightly, you know, different flavour. They're not just white carrots. No, they're, they've got they're, a, a flavour all of their and own. In Scotland, they call them neeps. Do they? Yeah. Okay, tatties. Tatties and neeps. Tatties and neeps means potatoes and and, And uh, parsnips. Okay, then. James, stop interrupting the podcast. All right, so what's the key to roasting the potatoes and the parsnips so so well, then? You have to parboil them. What does that mean? That means you put them in water and you bring it to the boil and you boil them for two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. Then you take them off that and leave them in the... Drain the water off, leave them in the pan with the lid on so that they kind of steam for a while. Yeah. And then you heat the oil up very hot and put them in the, in the hot oil. Uh, the problem with it, of course, when you're cooking large quantities, is finding enough space in the oven to do it and getting the oven at the right temperature yeah. at the right time. Bless you, James. Did you hear that explosion, ladies and gentlemen? That, that, uh, that was James sneezing. Um, okay. So... Put them in hot oil. You mean like deep fry them, like uh, you'd make the way you make fish and chips? No, no, it's no, like no. no it's you just roasting. have a layer of oil in your in your tin in your oven. Yes. Uh huh. And um, we're we're now observing the way that my wife is using the internet to research how to get coffee stains out of an armchair. You don't have to worry about it. It is absolutely fine. Leave it alone. <clears throat> don't worry. She says we, she's getting she's getting there. Apparently, she's a good girl. She's like some sort of forensic uh, scientist. She is, yeah. This is like an episode of CS, seen, CSI yeah. Warwick. It is perfectly fine. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So you, yeah. once you've kind of parboiled the, these veg, gosh, these it, people who are going to listen to this are going to be yeah, so bored. See, that's what you say. But I had a number of uh, comments from people saying. Ask your mum how she cooks the Christmas well, there you go. lunch. Oh, right. So I'm just, you know, I'm just doing what I've been asked to do. Okay. I, I so should also stop point making out, editorial decisions. I, I'll also point out that um, she had the added complication of having to provide one vegetarian meal. Yeah. Uh, in this in this uh, Christmas <laughs> dinner. Yes, well, uh, I which, made which, a... which which is difficult because um, the, the the person in question, my wife Rose, she uh, doesn't eat meat or fish. Um, so she had a uh, quiche, a vegeta- vegetarian quiche, but her parsnips and potatoes had to be specially put aside and roasted in vegetable oil because the main ones of the meal were roasted in goose fat. Correct. So it's just an, one more aspect of the com- complicated nature of a Christmas dinner. Except, of course, that in the last-minute rush... And fluster. Mm. I uh, forgot about the potatoes. I think alcohol might have played a part in that <laughs> as well. What do you mean? She's quite drunk. And I think she wasn't. I was not. Uh, don't listen to them, listeners. And um, <laughs> I put all the potatoes in the goose fat and then thought, oh. And thought, oh, I've put Dear. all the potatoes in the goose fat. So Rose didn't have any potatoes, unfortunately. But she didn't complain. She had lots of other veggies. Yeah. Okay. Great. So there you go. I mean, there's more to deal with in terms of the food, but, you know, as you said, we probably can't go into it in too much detail. Too boring. Then after after the food, we played some games, didn't we? We did. The usual Christmas games. Yep. Um, As as is usual. Can I point out that we did actually have a non-traditional Christmas pudding? Yes. Uh, Because normally after Christmas 
Turkey, you have a uh, a Christmas pudding, which is a, a, a very um, dense fruit, rich fruit pudding, usually mm. with brandy butter. But on this occasion, I don't quite know why uh, Jill took it upon herself to <laughs> do peaches and Not pe- ice there cream. Not peaches. Pears. pears. Pears and ice cream. Pears which and ice cream. Poached pears. Which was... And... Uh, poached pears and... Caramelised po- onions. Yeah. Caramelised Oranges. Uh, oranges. oranges. <laughs> not caramelised onions. <laughs> and Christmas pudding ice cream. Which was a, a real departure from uh, a normal Christmas dinner. And, well, I won't say very much, but it was very nice, <laughs> but it was sort of out of context. Okay. Auntie Rose has just arrived. Hello, Rose. Hello. Hello there. We can't really hear you from across the room, but... Uh, she is sitting in the chair that um, Luke's wife spilt coffee on, so it might be a wee bit damp. Yeah. Other than that, it's fine. She's now changing positions, inspecting <laughs> the chair for any signs of uh, coffee damage. Can you see any evidence of a spillage there, Rose? Um, it was spilt everywhere. It was spilt sort of on the back of the chair. The rug feels but you can't... The rug feels a bit funny, does it? Yeah. But you can't really see any evidence, can you? No. no. Okay, then fine. it's fine. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Good. Okay, then. Okay, so that was actually quite a short bit of conversation, wasn't it? Certainly by the usual standards of Luke's English podcast, that was quite short. But there is more coming in the next episode. You will hear more from my family, more conversational bits and pieces from them in the next episode. Uh, But now I'd like to focus on vocabulary. And um, I said before that I would go through some of the words and phrases uh, that you heard in that conversation in order to help to boost your learning process. Um, And um, a lot of the phrases that you heard there were related to specific ways of cooking and preparing food. Um, There were also lots of other nice bits of vocabulary as well. So let's look at some vocab. Um, So this is the language section of the podcast now. And as I am explaining the vocabulary, you can think about these things. So here are some questions for you to think about while I'm going through the vocab. Um, One of the things is, did you notice these words and phrases while you listened the first time? Did you actually notice them the first time? Um, Did you already know them or are they in fact quite new to you? Um, Did you misunderstand or mishear any of these phrases? because um, I've noticed from doing dictation exercises with my students at school and also by looking at the uh, transcripts written in the transcription project that uh, um, people often sort of mishear little words and phrases. Um, So maybe you misheard uh, or misunderstood them. So be diligent and uh, check to see if you've actually misheard just simply misheard any of these phrases. Um, Also think about uh, what other words go with these words. So try to notice words in groups, chunks or phrases, not just individual words on their own, uh, because words always go together with other phrases, prepositions, verb collocations and things like that. Um, Think about how exactly these words and phrases are pronounced as well. So think uh, about the pronunciation. How is the pronunciation different from the spelling? Uh, And remember to check the page for this episode to see the words written down in order to check the spelling. 
Okay, uh, don't forget to join the mailing list um, so that whenever I upload an episode, you'll get a link to the page for every single episode. That w- that's a quick way to to find the page for for the episode where you can often see uh, words written down, so you can check their spelling. Uh, and then after my help, after I've explained the vocab, um, think about this: Would you be able to use these words? in your own conversations? And will you use them in your conversations? Now, that's a question there. Will you use them? That's a that's just a question, but it's also a, a request. Uh, I wonder if you'll use them. And in fact, I suggest that you do use them too, because that's how you will make uh, these phrases part of your active vocabulary. So, as I'm going through this list, um, you can also test your knowledge See if you really know these words and phrases properly. Um, you could repeat some of the uh, some of this language after me. So after I sort of say some of the quotes from the conversation, try and repeat uh, those phrases. Uh, do some shadowing, um, and I suggest that after listening to me explain all of this vocabulary, that you go back and listen to that conversation extract again, and tr- and uh, try to notice the vocab when you hear it and see how much more of the conversation you understand. So, here's the vocab. And remember, check the page for the episode. You'll see it written there. Um, So, let's see. The first thing uh, I've got here in my list is uh, this phrase, and that's, uh, I said said about my brother, I said, you can tell what time it is based on the rapidity of his response. And I want to look at the word rapidity there. Rapidity. So, uh, rapidity is um, is a noun, and uh, I guess the adjective there is rapid. Okay, rapid, uh, which basically means like fast. Uh, so, rapidity means uh, sort of speed. Um, okay, like the rapidity of his response or the rapidity of, uh, let's say, the rapidity of the economic recovery. Um, so, uh, rapidity is the is the noun. Rapid is the adjective. Rapidly would be the adverb. For example, the economy is recovering rapidly. And uh, then, of course, rapidity being the noun. Okay, rapid change. It's changing rapidly. And the rapidity of the change, for example, or in this case, you can tell what time it is based on the rapidity of my brother's response. So if you don't have a clock, just ask my brother a question. And depending on how quickly he responds, you can tell what time it is. If he responds very slowly, it's probably the morning or the middle of the night or something like that. Um, The next one is my wife's just spilt tea all over the armchair. And that's just the word to uh, spill. So spill is the verb to spill a, your drink, to spill a cup of tea all over an armchair. Uh, in fact, it was a cup of coffee. Uh, my wife's just spilt coffee all over the armchair. So to spill, the past simple form is spilt and the past participle is spilt. Now that is uh, uh, spill is spelt, uh, S-P-I-L-L. The past form, spilt, that's S-P-I-L-T, and the past participle, S-P-I-L-T. That's the British spelling. In America, they tend to spell it E-D, so spill, S-P-I-L-L, spilled, S-P-I-L-L-E-D, and S-P-I-L-L-E-D. So spilt or spilled, the same word, but you tend to find in the UK it's spilt with a T, and in the US it's spilled with a with an ed, it's a bit like learnt and learned, uh, learnt uh, with a t uh, and learned with an ed. 
Uh, and also, what was the other one? Spelt and spelled. Uh, spelt and spelled as well. Okay. Uh, all right. So the noun, what's the noun of, of the verb spill? Well, it's a spillage, a spillage. And I think I asked my auntie Rose, I said, can you see any signs of a spillage on that armchair? And she said, no, I can't see any signs of a spillage. Uh, So clearly my wife got away with it, didn't she? Yes. Um, You might have noticed during that conversation while while we were talking, while my my wife was uh, trying to clean up the the coffee spillage, you might notice, Luke, why didn't you get up and help her? That's not very... uh, uh, what's the word for it? It's not very kind of gentlemanly of you. Um, but the reason is because she had it under control. You know, she had it completely under control. Um, so that's why. Anyway, it was fine. You heard my mum say, don't worry, it's all fine. So it was, it was no problem. Um, next phrase is, uh, the secret to a succulent moist turkey is basting. The secret to a succulent moist turkey is basting. So there's three words there, succulent, moist, and basting. Let's start with succulent. So it's an adjective, and it basically means tender, juicy, and tasty. Mm. Uh, Tender, juicy, and tasty. And we usually use it to describe meat. So a succulent steak or succulent turkey means tender, like soft, juicy, full of juice, and tasty, Mm, delicious. Uh, Tender, juicy, and tasty, succulent. Uh, There's nothing like a delicious, succulent uh, steak or something like that, unless you're a vegetarian, in which case that's probably quite horrific for you. Uh, so apologies to any vegetarians listening. Um, also, the uh, the word moist, which uh, came up quite a lot in this one, moist. Um, and moist is an adjective. Uh, for example, the secret to a moist turkey is basting. Uh, so moist is an adjective and it means slightly wet. Okay. Now, this can be used to describe food. For example, moist turkey uh, or moist cake. Uh, But it can also describe pretty much anything else which is slightly wet. And for that reason, the word is a little bit suggestive and rude sounding, which is why you heard us kind of giggling a little bit about the word moist. And that's probably why my brother shouted, stop saying moist, because it was making him feel awkward, uh, because it's it could be a little bit rude. It's slightly suggestive. So moist is the adjective. What's the noun? Uh, moisture, of course. Uh, moisture, and you might say, for example, um, uh, you know, uh, if you're checking uh, a new house, if you're about to move into a new house and you're visiting the house, uh, what you don't want to find is moisture in the bedroom or something, you know, because that would mean that there's some sort of uh, dampness problem on one of the walls. So you don't want any moisture on the walls, do you? Because that's going to cause, um, con- you know, that could be condensation, that could cause uh, what sort of um, mold to grow. If there's moisture on the wall, that means there's a, a, a like a problem with the um, insulation or something. Anyway, that's moisture. And uh, the verb to make something moist would be moisturize as well. And of course, we know about moisturizer, which is something that we rub onto our skin to keep our skin, you know, soft and uh, not too dry. So uh, moisturize and moisturizer. So moist. Now this, sort of thinking about the word moist makes me think of a comedy routine by a comedian that I really like called Paul Foote. Paul Foote's an English comedian who is really sort of strange, really weird and eccentric, but very funny. And he's got a bit about um, moist cake. 
um, and talking about how um, uh, we when we eat cake that someone has prepared at home, if someone gives you a piece of cake that they've prepared, for some reason we always have to um, we ha- we have to compliment the person. We have to tell them how delicious their cake is by saying how moist it is. For some reason, moist is the word that we use to compliment another person uh, on a on a on some cake that they've made. And we have to say, mm, this cake is, oh, it's really moist. It's lovely. Even if it's not that moist, even if it's still, if it's actually quite dry, for some reason there is like social pressure, it's social etiquette to say that the cake is quite moist. Oh, this cake is so moist. How did you get it so moist? It's delicious. Uh, so there is social etiquette that dictates that you have to compliment the person on how moist their cake is. And you have to do it quite quickly. If you leave it too long, then it sounds insincere. You have to do it fairly quickly. Mmm, this cake is, this is lovely, this cake. It's so moist. How did you get it so lovely and moist? Uh, whenever I make a cake, it's so dry. I'm an, I'm an awful cook, but your cake is so moist, it's delicious. So for some reason, it's polite to compliment the person who made the cake uh, by saying how moist it is. So I'm actually going to play you a little bit of Paul Foote's routine. Um, and um, it's going to start right now. Here it is. Now, um, I just want to uh, mention something that is a bit of a, quite a bit of a worry, actually. Serious concern, this is. Why is it, why is it that whenever we receive a slice of homemade cake from someone, that we always have to say it's moist? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a horrendous business, isn't it? I mean, we can laugh about it now, but it's, it's absolutely awful, isn't it? Because when you get a slice of cake... All you want to do, really, is just eat it quietly with your own thoughts. You know, which are generally that it's slightly on the dry side. But obviously you you can't say that because the law of the world states that you must mention it's moist. And it's not just about mentioning it's moist, there's there's more to it than that. I mean, there there are also time constraints linked to it. I mean, that's what makes it such a nightmare. I mean, I would say, as soon as the cake comes out, you have got five to six seconds to mention the moistness. <laughs> if you don't mention the moistness within that time window, then the atmosphere will deteriorate rapidly. <laughs> uh, in fact, you'll find that your host will actually probably crack after a while and say... And say Is the cake all right? Or is it a bit dry? Now, if you hear those words, you're basically in a serious emergency situation. And you have to say something immediately to restore the atmosphere. And I'd, I'd advise you to say something along the lines of the following words. Dry? Hardly. <laughs> That's the last word I'd use to describe this cake. This cake is extremely moist. Mm, yes, unbelievably so, yes. Yes, you, you've not gone easy on the moisture in this cake, Ursula. Yes, I reckon you must have been literally pouring the water into that mixing bowl to achieve such a final ratio of moisture to cake. I mean, to consider that this cake has been in a hot oven for over 30 minutes, and yet despite that sustained battering of heat, 
it has still retained all this moisture. I mean, it's an absolute miracle. I, I mean, honestly, Ursula, I think this is probably the dampest cake I've had all year. Thank you very much. So that was Paul Foote, I think, performing in 2011 at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, uh, talking about uh, the importance of uh, mentioning how moist uh, some cake is when it's uh, given to you uh, by someone. All right, so there you go. That was moist, all right, and moisture. Uh, Also, we had the word um, succulent um, as well. And also you heard him say damp, um, the dampest cake I've ever eaten or something like that. Damp. Damp is another word, but damp is sort of slightly negative sounding, like, for example, you know, if um, if you, yeah, uh, I don't know, if you sit down on a sofa uh, and you go, oh, this this sofa's a bit damp. And then someone says, oh, yeah, God, I'm sorry, I spilt tea on it earlier on. Don't sit there. It's... It's, it hasn't dried yet. So anyway, that's damp. Um, damp is, is also a word that you would use to describe uh, a wall, you know, in in a house. And you'd say, oh, yeah, we've got a bit of a problem in the bedroom. Yeah, we've got rising damp, um, for example. All right. Um, rising damp. Yeah, I don't know if that's something that uh, – it must be something that happens in your country too. But it seems to be uh, a big concern for people living in, in homes in the UK that uh, dampness or damp is a problem. And if you have uh, damp, uh, certainly on a, in a ground floor um, flat or something, or in a basement flat, sometimes uh, the, the, the walls are not properly insulated and so damp comes through the walls and you get moisture on build up on the walls and it's a big problem it can cause damage to the walls and to things like that oh it's a bloody nightmare anyway uh next thing uh, next phrase is uh, a cooking phrase and this was to ladle the juices oh wait a minute wait a minute i didn't deal with the word uh, basting did i but i think you know what basting is because we explained it in the conversation basting is the process of cooking uh of making sure that let's say the turkey in this case uh is nice and sucky and moist, and it involves ladling the juices from the pan back onto the bird while it's cooking. So to ladle the juices, ladle, this is the the word I want to look at. So um, ladle is a noun and a verb. Um, uh, the, the noun ladle is a kind of spoon. It's a sort of a big, deep spoon that you use for serving sauce or serving gravy or something like that or serving soup you know it's like a, a big spoon a big spoon with a uh, a deep uh, sort of bowl right uh, and uh, you know if you what's the perfect spoon for serving soup it's the spoon that goes down and it carries a lot of soup and you dip it in and then you pull it out imagine some canteen somewhere like at school you know back in the uh, 1980s I, rem- I remember when I was at school we used to get these um, these uh, dinner ladies, we call them, these sort of these women who worked at the school, and they would be there in the canteen serving you your horrible food, and they'd dip the ladle into the soup and pull it out, and you know, they'd serve the, the horrible slime that they called uh, uh, lunch into a bowl and hand it to you. There you go, there's your soup. Next! You know, that sort of thing. They're using a ladle. All right, I think you know what a ladle is now. Um, it's also a verb to ladle something onto something. In this case, to ladle the juices from the pan back onto the bird. So you can imagine like dipping a deep spoon into the juices that are the, in which the, the bird is cooking and then pouring those juices onto the bird. A, a much more pleasant image than the, than the, uh, the school lunch uh, scenario that I just uh, uh, gave to you there. Um, so it, 
basting involves uh, ladling the juices from the pan back onto the bird. All right. Um, uh, my uncle mentioned the bells because my parents live in a house quite close to a church and uh, the church has bells in the tower and the bells ring like every half an hour or something. Um, and they make, they, they're actually very pretty. They make nice uh, melodies, especially on a Sunday when they are ringing for the church service. You have these nice melodies. Um, and my uncle said that they make a heck of a din. They make a heck of a din. Um, so a heck of a din. A din, that's uh, D-I-N. A din is basically a loud and unpleasant noise. Um, so can I have a loud sort of uh, disturbing noise? Ding, glang, gling, 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 like that, right? That's uh, a din. They make a heck of a din. And a heck of a is just a way of sort of uh, emphasizing something. You also could say a hell of a, like a hell of a noise, a hell of a din or a heck of a din. Heck is just a slightly less rude version of hell, although these days hell isn't really a very rude thing to say. Uh, a heck of a din. Um, yeah, okay. Heck, it's basically like hell. What the heck means what the hell. Um, okay, um, and a din, and a loud and unpleasant noise. So those bells make a heck of a din meaning they make a very loud noise. Um, my mum at one point said, you'll be the judge of that. You'll be the judge of that. Okay, you'll, you'll be the judge of that. You will be the judge of that. And this is um, a phrase that we say in order to emphasise that someone else has to make their own judgment about something. Well, you'll be the judge of that, meaning you'll be the one to make that judgment. But also... We often say, well, I'll be the judge of that. I'll be the judge of that. And uh, we use this phrase to express with some anger the the, the idea that, uh, that, you know, you would say, I, I'll be the judge of that in order to say, I will make that judgment, not you. For example, if someone says to you, well, I make the best tea in London or I make the best cake in London, you'd say, well, I'll be the judge of that, meaning, you know, I, I will decide whether your cake truly is the best in London after I've tasted it myself. Well, I'll be the judge of that. Okay, so you, you'll you be the judge of that and I'll be the judge of that. Okay, um, I, you know, you must come round to uh, Jeff's house. He has truly the best biscuits in London. Best biscuits in London? Well, I'll be the judge of that meaning that, uh, you know, I'm going to try those biscuits and I will decide if they really are the best biscuits in London. Um, my uncle at one point said, have these microphone covers been sterilised? So microphone covers. When I um, use my microphones to interview people, I cover them with a foam cover to avoid, like, plosive sounds. I'm using one of them now. If I remove the cover, then when I when I make some plosive sounds, PPP, TTT, like that, without the cover, it makes a loud noise with a plosive sound. But when I put the cover on, then PPP, TTT, it sort of uh, prevents the, the plosive sounds making too much noise. So the covers. So 
My uncle said, have these microphone covers been sterilised? Um, <laughs> expressing some concern over the cleanliness of the, the microphone covers because uh, I ask people to speak with the microphones quite close to their faces. Um, so, so to sterilise something, uh, to sterilise something is to make something you know, completely clean, to remove the bacteria from something. For example, you might wash it in, you know, like hot, in a hot temperature uh, or use some sort of like uh, sterilizing uh, uh, spray or something like that. So to sterilize something. Like, for example, before you uh, use any medical instruments, you may have to make sure that they're sterilized. For example, if, uh, if you're using a needle to inject yourself, you need to make sure that the needle is sterilized. Um, all right. So we talked about health and safety legislation. Health and safety um, health and safety is something that everyone in the UK knows about, and basically there's legislation or law from the government which um, aims to make sure that places like um, offices or other workplaces are fully safe and healthy places to be, and um, all of that, that whole subject is known as health and safety. And we have health and safety legislation, health and safety law, um, and people whose responsibility it is at work to maintain levels of health and safety, and they're called health and safety officers. So health and safety, okay? Um, for example, my mum is a healthy, he- the healthy, healthy, no, yes, well, she's quite healthy, but she's also a health and safety officer at her job. She works at a bookshop and she's one of the health and safety officers there. And one of the responsibilities she has, as you heard, was to make sure that the fire extinguishers are in good order. A fire extinguisher, those are those kind of red uh, canisters that are used to put out fires. Um, And, you know, some of them contain foam, some of them contain a kind of powder, some of them contain water, uh, others contain carbon dioxide. Uh, They're called fire extinguishers. And uh, my mum has to make sure that they are in good order. So if something is in good order, it means it's uh, kept in the proper way. Okay, it's in the proper condition, um, in good order. Let me just actually uh, check that one. In good order... Uh, definition here from the free dictionary is they say if something is done in good order it means it's done in the right way properly okay properly done properly so she has to make sure that all the fire extinguishers are in good order so something can be in good order meaning sort of uh, be in the right condition uh, and something can be done in good order as well meaning done in the right way Okay, Um, done in the right fashion, maybe as well. Uh, To trip over the carpet. Uh, This is one of the things that my mum, as the health and safety officer, has to uh, prevent. Uh, She has to make sure that people don't trip over the carpet. Uh, to trip over. That's where, for example, you catch your foot on something and you fall. You fall over and possibly injure yourself. So to trip is to catch your foot on something and it will knock you off balance. Uh, We have to trip on something, to trip over something. And that probably means that you fall over. You don't just trip and lose your footing, but you actually go over, you fall onto the ground, trip over. Okay, so that's you got to trip or trip up. That's where you just sort of catch your foot on something and, and lose your balance. And then to trip over means you catch your foot and you fall onto the floor. So to trip over, to trip, yes. Um, and when someone catches their foot, when someone trips up, you can say a stupid joke. You know, you can say, oh, my, you know, in, did you enjoy your trip? 
which is obviously a really stupid joke that you probably shouldn't do if you care about your popularity. Uh, right, what else? Uh, to sue someone, to sue someone, uh, because, uh, for example, if, if a customer comes into your shop and they trip over the carpet because the carpet is not straight, uh, they could, you know, if they injure themselves, they could sue you for a lot of money. So to sue someone means to take someone to court and make a claim against them. Um, and you would sue someone for money or sue someone for damages, meaning that the that you have to give them money or you have to give them damages. The court, you know, if the court decides that you're liable, you have to pay money to the claimant. Uh, so they would sue you for money. Uh, but also we use for as the preposition there, to um, explain the reason why you're suing someone. So you, you could sue someone for uh, uh, sue someone for negligence or sue someone for uh, infringement of copyright or sue someone for breach of contract. So to sue someone is to take someone to court. All right. Um, now, talking about uh, uh, preparing the turkey, my mum said that you have to line the dish with lots of foil. So you put the turkey in a dish. That's, a, that's what the turkey sits in, in the oven. You put it into a dish and you have to line the dish with lots of foil. I don't know why it's necessary to line the dish with foil, maybe to prevent the turkey from sticking to the, to the dish. But foil is like aluminium paper, you know? We call it foil. Aluminium foil or tin foil, so it's that kind of metal paper that we use when we when we do cooking, and to line the dish, that means to add a layer of foil over the surface of the dish, so that the dish is given a lining of foil. Um, and you could also use that expression to line something um, with clothing. Uh, for example, if you wear a jacket, typically jackets will be made of cotton or wool, and then they will they will inside the jacket they'll be lined with silk or something like that or lined with cotton uh, they might have a, a silk lining okay that's like a layer of cotton or silk on the inside of the jacket so uh, this jacket was lined with silk for example if it's a nice jacket with a silk lining um, in this case I'm talking about uh, lining the dish with lots of foil and then you put some turkey stock in the base of the dish uh, turkey stock. Stock is basically the the juice uh, that comes out of the turkey, or, or it's water that has uh, been boiled with parts of the meat in it. For example, the the parts of the meat that you remove, uh, the parts of the bird that you remove uh, before uh, eating or cooking it, you remove parts, and you can put them in water and boil the water and boil those parts of the bird and it creates a kind of a uh, a broth uh, or a stock this water uh, that the the meat has been boiled in is a stock and you can use that to cook other things or to prepare soup or to to do other stuff stock okay so you actually put some turkey stock in the base of the dish and you cook the turkey sitting in uh, its own stock like that okay um, stock we also have uh, cubes stock cubes which are kind of dried stock and you get vegetable stock chicken stock or beef stock and it's like dried powder which you um, you crumble into some water and boil it and that's like a an easy way to make some stock which you can then use to cook uh, other stuff uh, so stock okay uh, 
giblets, giblets. These are the bits of the turkey that you remove before you cook it and eat it. So the, the giblets. And that includes, like, I guess, part of the throat and some other organs and things. The giblets. Disgusting. I always used to find that really horrible and disgusting when I was a kid. I'd see my mum, like, removing the giblets. And I'd be like, ugh, that's horrible. Um, giblets. But, you know, you boil the giblets and it creates nice stock. Uh, sprouts. These are vegetables. I've talked about sprouts on the podcast before. An essential part of Christmas, it seems. These are like these little, kind of like little green vegetables. Cabbage. Like mini cabbages. Sprouts. Um, and... Um, um, uh, let's see. Uh, one of the things my mum did is she sliced the sprouts. So to slice something means to cut it uh, with a knife. Um, for example, you slice some bread, uh, sliced bread. So cut it all the way through to create slices. Um, I think my mum said, I saw it in a recipe book. A recipe book. Obviously, a recipe is all the details, the instructions and ingredients that you need to uh, make a dish. So a recipe book. Uh, My mum saw the turkey recipe in a recipe book or the sprout recipe in a recipe book. Um, And um, apparently by slicing the sprouts, it cuts the cooking time down. So there's a phrasal verb, to cut down. Um cut down. Now, cut down is a, a phrase that means lots of things. For example, I'm going to cut down on smoking means I'm going to reduce how much I smoke. That's just an example. Uh, to cut down on, you know, I drink too much coffee, I'm going to have to cut down. That's one meaning, meaning reduce the amount of something that you do. But also, you could say it cuts the cooking time down, or it cuts my journey down. For example, um, if I take the uh, if I take the metro it cuts my journey down by about half an hour, all right? But if I if I take the bus, then, you know, it makes my journey much longer. But taking the metro cuts the journey down. In this case, we're talking about cooking time. So slicing up the sprouts cuts the cooking, di- cuts the cooking time down, meaning it, it makes it quicker. Um, all right, so um, she... Uh, also, um, what else do we have? Um, um, okay, we've got the word stove, the word oven, the word cooker, and the word cook. All right? Stove, oven, cooker, and cook. Actually, I'm going to start with the word oven. So, an oven is a large metal device with a door on the front in which you cook food at a high temperature. Okay, you've got one in the kitchen. Uh, If you want to cook a pizza, you put it in the oven uh, for 20 minutes or whatever. Uh, That's how you cook your pizza in the oven. All right, my mum put put the turkey in the oven. Uh, That's the oven. All right, Um, a stove is another word for an oven. Uh, but when you say a stove, then really we're talking about an oven that also has hobs on the top. So these are the four, those four things either, that are, you know, are powered by gas or electricity on the top of the oven where you can cook things over heat. So if you want to fry something, you would use the hobs on the top. So a stove is an oven with hobs on the top. Um, a stove is also something which can heat your room. It could be like a metal thing that you have in the fireplace with a door in the front and you, uh, you burn wood or coal inside it. For example, a wood-burning stove in the living room. And my parents have got a nice, uh, really effective wood-burning stove in the living room of their house and it keeps the place nice and warm. So they've got a stove in the kitchen and a, and a wood-burning stove in the living room. Then uh, the word cooker. So a cooker is 
basically an oven. Again, it's another word for an oven. It's a device which cooks things. So it can be an oven or a stove, or it can be just an electric pot. For example, a slow cooker, which is basically a, a sort of a big pot um, that's electrically heated uh, with a lid on, and you use it to cook food over a long period of time. That's a slow cooker. Uh, so cooker, stove, and oven. Um, and the word cook is the person who cooks. So uh, a cook works in the kitchen, wears a white coat, probably, or white apron. Uh, that's a cook. Uh, I say that because sometimes people get that wrong, and they think that the cooker is the word for the person. It's not the person. Um, a cooker is the device, and the cook is a person. Also, cook is a verb as well, of course. Um, what else? Um, let's see. Uh, at this point, my brother comes up with that joke for some reason, saying, what's the secret of comedy? And this is an old joke. Um, and the punchline is timing. But obviously, the joke works when you deliver the punchline at the wrong moment. So, like, what's the secret of comedy? Um, timing. You know, and you kind of get the timing wrong. Uh, timing is one of the secrets of comedy, but obviously you need to actually, uh, when you tell a joke, you have to get the timing right. Huh? Get it? Of course you do. It, that joke helps when you've got another person and you say, what's the secret of comedy? And when they're a, at the same time that they say, uh, I don't know, you have to say timing. What's the secret of comedy? Um, I don't know. Timing. Ah, right. Okay. So it's designed to fail, to be honest. That's the, that's the joke. Yeah. Uh, parsnips. These are those root vegetables that I talked about. I think I explained them in the conversation. Um, tatties and neeps. Uh, this is what the Scottish call potatoes and parsnips. Um, my mum said when you're producing or uh, when you're cooking good uh, roast potatoes and parsnips, you have to parboil them first. So to parboil... Uh, vegetables means to boil them a little bit uh, in preparation for roasting. So it's like just boil a little bit, not fully boil them, just boil them a little bit to make them a bit soft before putting them in the oven where you then roast them. So my mum said you have to parboil them, drain the water off. That's where you kind of remove the water, maybe by putting uh, the vegetables in a in a colander or something like a container with holes in the bottom and all the water drains away. Uh, so you have to parboil them, drain the water off and then roast them in hot oil in the oven. Okay. And I said, what you mean like deep fry them? So to deep fry is another method of cooking with hot oil where you get like a deep uh, pan full of oil and you put the vegetables into the oil and they essentially boil in the oil. It's a bit like the way that we make fish and chips. They're deep fried. It's really unhealthy because it gets completely soaked in the oil as it cooks. And I said, you mean like deep fry them? And my mum said, no, no, just roast them. So just roast them. So roasting is when uh, the food, in this case potatoes, uh, sit on a, a tray or a pan in the oven and they just cook in the heat of the oven. And they might sit in a small layer of oil. There might be some oil in the pan, but not a lot. Not like when you deep fry, uh, for example. All right. Um, um, <laughs> what else have I got here? In the last minute rush and fluster, I forgot about the potatoes. This is what my mum said. In the last minute rush and fluster. I think you know what I, I mean by a, the last minute rush. 
but the word fluster. So uh, fluster is a word that means when you're kind of a bit confused because of stress, because you're trying to do things very quickly. So in the last minute, fluster. So um, I was in a fluster or there was a fluster, which is a bit like a fuss or a, a slight confusion because of stress. Oh, oh, oh you know, oh, got to get all this ready. Got to get the turkey out. Got to do this, make the gravy, make sure everything's set up on the table. Um, oh, make sure that I don't burn these vegetables. Oh, it's all a bit of a fluster. So my, in the last minute rush and fluster, my mum forgot about the potatoes. That's why, unfortunately, my auntie Rose, the vegetarian, couldn't eat any potatoes. Um and what else? What else? Uh, my uncle said at one point, uh, Jill took it upon herself to do poached pears, to take it upon yourself to do something, to take it upon yourself. Um, oh, that's quite a tricky exp- uh, expression to explain. If you take it upon yourself to do something, it basically means you decide to do it. It's just another way of saying to decide to do something. Jill took it upon herself. She made the decision to do something. Um, it's just a fancy way of saying uh, that she decided to do poached pears. Jill took it upon herself to do poached pears and caramelised onions. To poach something means to cook it in water, basically. Um, Okay, Uh, poached pears. What's the difference between poach and boil? Um, Right, because obviously boil means you you cook something in... in, um, in, in in hot water, right? In boiling water, for example, a boiled egg. Um, poaching, uh, according to What's Cooking America, poaching is cooking an item by submerging it in a liquid that is just barely simmering. So that means uh, cooking something in, in liquid, probably water, that's not fully boiling. It's just sort of bubbling a little bit or simmering. To poach a food item, gently place it in a pot of simmering water, simmering meaning not fully boiling, just bubbling slightly, that's heated between 160 and 180 degrees Fahrenheit. Poaching is a, te- is a technique typically used for delicate foods, including eggs, fish and fruits. In order to poach food effectively, it must be completely submerged in water. So my mum poached some some pears, you know, these the fruits. Um and then boiling, basically the water is hotter. So the, bo- the, the water is fully boiling. So it's kind of um, the water, there's big bubbles in the water and the water's moving much more rapidly. So that's boiling. So it's really about the temperature of the water in which you cook it. Okay, so that's the difference between poaching and boiling. Um, and my mum at the end um, said she's sitting in the chair that Luke's wife spilt coffee on so it might be a wee bit damp a wee bit damp so we know what damp is because I've been through that already I mean slightly wet a little bit wet Uh, but a wee bit damp Um, now the word wee there w-e-e is a word that means um, a little okay so a wee bit damp means a little bit damp so wee means little um, it's quite typical in Scotland, but you might hear people in England using it too. Um, so the chair's a wee bit damp means the chair is a little bit damp. So we meaning little. We obviously means something else, doesn't it? We is W-E-E by coincidence also means um, it's the it's sort of word that a child would use to say urine. So I don't know if anyone out there listening to the conversation thought that my mum was talking about 
wee wee. Um, no, that's not why the chair was damp. No, that's not the sort of thing that happens in my parents' house. Not anymore, anyway. Not since uh, uh, my brother and I have fully grown up. It may have happened at one point when we were little kids, because, you know, the way kids... Uh don't have total control over themselves. What am I talking about? I'm talking about we, yes. So, no, she said that the, the chair's a wee bit damp, meaning it's slightly damp. Uh, there was no urine involved. <laughs> all right, so that's all the vocab. Uh, there you go. What you could do is listen to the conversation again and see if you can notice all that vocabulary. Uh, test yourselves. Um, how much of that can you remember? How much of it can you actually use in your own uh, conversations? Um, if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, remember that. Um, so if you're really serious about fully pushing your vocabulary up to the next level, you will go through all that vocab again and use it and understand it properly and all that kind of thing. Because you've got to use words a number of times before you actually take them on. Um, So it's no good just understanding it once. You've got to hear it again and again. You've got to see it written down. You've got to use it yourself in writing and in speaking. Play around with the language. Do what you've got to do to really learn uh, all of this vocabulary so that you can push your English up to, you know, native or near native levels. Uh, I imagine that's what you're trying to do. Um, So there you go. Now then, um, that's the end of this episode. I just want to say now uh, that there will be some more episodes coming soon, of course. In fact, in forthcoming episodes of this podcast, there will be these things. Some more conversations with my family, because obviously in this one you only heard about 15 minutes, but there will be more conversations with my family, including some anecdotes about meeting famous people. Um, um, For some reason, we ended up talking about meeting famous people. I think the reason for that was that I wanted to ask my uncle about some of the famous rock stars that he's met uh, over the years. And surprisingly enough, he's met quite a lot of rock stars for one reason or another. So we talk about meeting famous people with stories about meeting members of the royal family, some legends of TV comedy, and perhaps the biggest rock and roll star on the planet right now. Who do you think that is? Because my uncle met him once... Um, who's that? Who's the biggest rock and roll star? Arguably, probably the biggest rock and roll star in the world at this moment. My uncle met him once. Um, who's that going to be? Well, you can hear that story and others in an upcoming episode. Uh, also on the podcast soon, I'm hoping to record a general ramble about some, some stuff that happened over the Christmas period, including uh, some, some words about a few books that I received as presents, um, some comments about the well-loved celebrities that we lost in 2016, including notably Carrie Fisher and George Michael during the Christmas holiday, which was not a very nice uh, bit of news to receive. Um, Carrie Fisher, George Michael and Debbie Reynolds, Carrie Fisher's mother. Um, Sad uh, moments those were uh, when we received that news. And we lost some great people at regular intervals. Um, We lost some great people at regular intervals during the year last year. And let's hope that 2017 doesn't continue that trend. Um... Also, I've seen Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and I will be doing a full episode about that too. I'm not talking about it right now because there isn't time, but I will uh, talk to you in some detail about Rogue One, a Star Wars story, because as you know, 
Um, for I, I do have a, a special interest in Star Wars because I'm Luke Skywalker, aren't I? I'm, I am a Jedi after all, so um, I will be talking about uh, the new Star Wars film on the podcast. So brace yourselves. More podcasts are coming. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Thanks, uh, as ever, to everyone who's been commenting on the website. There's loads of conversations going on. I say thanks. I should just say, you know, nice one, basically, because uh, uh, there's a real sense of community in the comments section of my website these days, and it's just really nice to see that. Um, So, nice one. Uh, thank you also to Antonio, who's been in charge of the transcription project, which has been doing really well. And last year, uh, the project transcribed, I think, nearly 50 episodes of the podcast have been transcribed by the team. And you guys have been doing a great job. Uh, so well done. Keep up the good work. Uh, don't forget everyone to join the mailing list because that's the way to get direct access to the page for every episode when it's uploaded. Uh, you'll find the mailing list in the top right-hand corner of every page on my website. Um, okay, then. Good. Right, then. So I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.